There's some wholesome Midwesternness in me that like comes out whenever like something mildly sexual comes comes around. I'm like, ah, I'm kind of uncomfortable here. You like take out a ruler and slap your own wrist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mother Superior. All right, enough nun jokes. Welcome to the Handsome Hockey Podcast, everybody. This is episode 84 of this good old time rag. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> episode uh, 1984. Oh, so this Big is... Big Brother's watching. This is... And so is my birth year. Um, I am Jake. Hanging out with me today is... David... Er... Er... What? What? What's his name? What's his name? David Reinbacher. Just kidding. It's Evan. Ah. I was waiting for Evan, because we're leading off... Yeah, that was just too juicy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you have to go with it. It's too good. Especially because it it wasn't like the 200th pick of the draft. It was number five. Yeah, very funny. Yeah. Imagine if like Barry Sanders came out for the Lions pick and was like, ah. The the same thing. At five, we were going with Oopsie McIvergot. Ah, well, come on up to the podium. Um, I, I brought up the whale just seconds ago because um, as we were like basically getting ready to record tonight, uh, shit done happened. The and, whale was harpooned. And I'm I'm fucking heartbroken. Yeah, there are a lot of heartbroken PHF fans, players, writers, personnel. uh right now uh, dreamers schemers lovers i mean the hopefully the dreamers are doing good because it seems like the schemers may have won out yeah that's a fair assumption um uh, we're we're dancing around the fact that tonight uh, jeff merrick reported or jeff merrick of sportsnet reported that billy jean king enterprises and mark walter who owns like part of the Dodgers and Chelsea FC. He's, mm. he's got a lot of money. Uh, have, they've, those have been the, the, like the two primary financial drivers of the PWHPA and trying to establish a, a league there. Um, apparently they, they couldn't build a league with the PWHPA. So they decided to buy the one that already existed. Yeah. They went daddy Warbucks. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, they made like the LIV golf and they just bought their competitor. Yeah. In a, I, I would say shocking out of nowhere turn of events, the PWHPA has acquired and we're not saying merged. We're yeah. saying acquired the PHF, the premier hockey federation. All your base are belong to us. Uh, the, the, Details that we've gotten so far are relatively few. Uh, we've just been kind of following uh, most of the, our favorite uh, women's hockey Twitter follows to try and piece this together. As they piece it together. Yeah, as like 
as they piece it together in real time, we will regurgitate it in real time. <laughs> and then I'll edit this tomorrow and you'll get it on Friday. But uh, the biggest news I think out of all of this is that immediately all PHF contracts have been voided immediately nixing the income of over a hundred women. And these are women who have, who signed these contracts and needed to relocate or needed to uh, get visas to come to this country mm-hmm. uh, or Canada. You know, these are, these are women who had finally within their grasp playing professional hockey and making a living wage. And that has been ripped right out of their chests and thrown on the ground, like uh, a heart in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Ian Kennedy was throwing around a figure like 120 people and that's not inclusive of even like trainers, staff, coaches, you know, all the people that make a hockey league work. Um, It's an incredibly sad day uh, because of that and that alone, but also we're going to lose a team. Yeah. There's also the, initial figure being doled out is that there will be six teams in this new league. Yeah. Rachel Hopmeyer of uh, spectrum one news Buffalo uh, is reporting that there will be six teams with 23 players each. Um, This is kind of like what you see a lot in like corporate mergers and uh, you know, vulture capitalism. Some would say Uh, they just bought, the competing asset and their infrastructure and their connections and deals and, and whatnot. And we'll, we will see what is made of it. Uh, we do know that, and this has been speculated and I, I think confirmed by Mike Murphy of the ice garden saying that the Toronto and Montreal franchises are safe as we would expect. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the independently owned ones. Uh, no. So this ac- this acquisition, they also bought all of the franchises. Right. So and, uh, the franchises, which were partially owned by the league, but there were several that were independently owned, I think, including the new Montreal one. Yeah. Montreal, just, Toronto was not. Toronto was owned by the Toronto Boynes. was owned by the league. Uh, they were owned by the Boynton's by who the also owned Boston and the Riv. Right. And so... One would think that those are probably candidates to stay, especially because the pride are like the brand. Yeah. Um, I don't know who's on the chopping block then. Uh, it's the whale. Yeah. That's what sucks ass. Yeah. The whale are in by far the smallest market. Uh, they are, Despite being a successful team these last couple of years, they're not. Uh, they've never won uh, the Isabel Cup. Uh, hell, what happens to the Isabel Cup is a big question as well. Yeah, did they buy that too? Uh, I would imagine. Um, like, we bought it, but then, oh, oh, oops, we dropped it off the back of a truck accidentally. Well, somebody oh, already broke. So, we're so sorry. Somebody already broke the handles off of it. What do you care? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. What's I mean, a few dents in the armor? It. I mean, it's part for the course for a hockey league cup to be dropped and dented at this point. Absolutely. 
uh, it's nothing sacred anymore. Yeah. People don't want to take care of cups anymore. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but because of, you know, this single team contraction, we are effectively entering into a hunger Games scenario where the teams will probably like duke it out in a field of murder and conquest, uh, also known as boardrooms. But uh, <laughs> I, as, as I sit here, I would not be surprised at all if the team that we lose is the Connecticut whale. And I'm going to be kind of devastated. The writing appears that. to sort of be on the wall, so to speak, or about to be sprayed on the wall in Russian speak. Um, <laughs> it sucks sucks to see it coming like that like it's like uh like in the matrix when switch dies and she's like not like this not like this she doesn't say it with a southern accent she's like she, no she's like not like this it's more like i a thought she Eastern was sort European. of i thought she was sort of southern no. it's been a while since i've seen that movie yeah. obviously yeah it's not like this <laughs> Shayna Goldman is reported on Twitter. Uh, Shayna Goldman of The Athletic, amongst other various publications, uh, has noted that there's some speculation out there, and this has not been proven or published or anything yet, but that the PHF may have actually been on shaky financial ground and was potentially considering bankruptcy. That seems to be kind of... Like, that seems speculative uh, at best. Sure. I mean, part of it is that this seems like the move of someone whose back is against the wall. Someone being a league of (laughs) sports teams. But, like, uh, there seems like there must be some sort of outside pressure. And, I mean, there's a lot of economic pressure on everybody right now. And so the sand can go out from underneath something like this in many different ways, this may not even be their fault. You know, maybe like investments didn't turn out or benefactors dried up. Like it just, there's a lot of economic contraction going around everywhere right now. And so, yeah, one wonders if this was a move more for survival um, than anything, or if it's similar to the whole like LIV golf buying PGA and being like courting boardroom members and, and, you know, suddenly all the PGA benefactors are like sporting new boats and stuff. Like you know, one wonders if it's a combination of both, it, who knows? How did you get that bag of yacht? It definitely wasn't bought by Saudi Arabians. Yeah, right. And the I mean, name is this boat was bought by Saudi Arabians. <laughs> uh, that it's a typo. <laughs> this is the, uh, this is the Prince Bonesaw boat. <laughs> Shana Goldman's also reporting that PWHPA in this new agreement, PWHPA players will be given first priority for roster spots over and PHF players. That's really the Hunger Games scenario is what that move is creating. Yeah, I, I mean you can think of, you know, the top 5% or whatever of maybe 10% of PHF players in the last year are are gonna get contracts 10 percent of those players is only like 15 people i wonder if it's gonna be more than that i mean that's like 
I mean, player wise, I would think a GM of a new team would kind of kick the tires on anybody useful. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to say that. I'm curious if it's going to be closer to like 50 50. Like, how many, you know, how many PHF players do we think can compete at the, the, the PWHPA pace of play? I think a fair amount. That's my thought, too. So I'm interested in seeing, like, how that all shakes out. The, I mean, does that make me a willing uh, uh, watcher of the Hunger Games? Yes, but I don't know. This There is some precedent for this. I mean, sports leagues have been absorbed and merged before and, and you know, kind of taken over hostily like this. Maybe not this um, swallowing of another league. But I don't know. Yeah, usually like when the NFC and AFC merged into the NFL. That was a like, true merge. The teams, yeah, consi- like continued. When the WHL merged with the NHL, it was a merger. I think maybe some teams were contracted, but that was very they, actually that was more hostile than yeah. than that was like it was do this or I'll sink your boat. Right. It, that was not dissimilar. I was going to. So what I'm kind of getting at is I think that was maybe one of the closer comps we have in history. And then I think at some point the NFL absorbed a smaller like football league. And that, that was another comp like, okay, we just ate this league. Your assets are now under protection. Your keys have been removed. Please take your elevator out. Mr. Roy, you no longer a part of this company. Um, is that another secession? Yeah, sorry. I mean, eh. it's it's appropriate here. Is it I, not? Yeah, I don't know. I've never watched the show. I don't, like. I think that like uh, you know, shows about corporate America are the the least interest to me. It's more than that. It's not. I mean, you know, it, it's a character study. Corporate America is just the setting. The last bit of news that has come out since we last checked all of our news sources for this, which was, you know, like 20 minutes ago. I'm going to scroll right now just to make sure no, nothing's come up. Cause like, this is, this is live breaking news as best we can present it. It's like mid recording doom scrolling presented by the athletic. <laughs> We're not really presented by the athletic. We would love to be presented by the athletic reportedly. PWHPA players have been sent ballots tonight to ratify a new collective bargaining agreement and league constitution. This is coming from Greg Wyshynski or uh, Grog Wyshynski, if you're a Puck Soup fan. Also, um, Reagan Carey, who is the commissioner of the PHF, and Jaina Hefford, who is uh, like the head of the board or something like that of the PWHPA, uh, we've been told that they will be uh, given roles, probably very high up leadership roles in this new league. Um, yeah. I mean like the promising of roles and the uh, priming of guillotines and swinging of axes. I mean, that's what makes this shit like corporate, you know, dramas like succession. Um, like, I, I want to know what they did with the contracts. Like, do they just like shred them? Do they burn, like, bring them all back and burn them like you know what what happens to the physical pieces of paper that the phf is now like just making disappear i think one of the other big notes is that there had been some voice uh in phf land to uh 
put into the writing of these contracts that they could not be voided uh, in such a fashion. And that voice was largely stifled. And now we're seeing the ramifications of that, which is, uh, yeah, you all don't have jobs. Right. And these are players that like have signed leases on houses, bought houses. Like this has huge life changing ramifications for a lot of players, especially given what the PHF had done recently, offering more salary longer term, uh, setting up shop in new locations. Like this very much looked like a league on the rise and now to just sort of be bought out and kind of stripped apart for parts. It's shocking and a little grotesque. One hesitates to think that it was anything but a move for survival, I guess. Yeah, it just, like, feels, it feels like a bludgeoning in a lot of ways. Yeah, it feels like like some Silicon Valley bullshit. Like, hey, we have this startup league. Let's let's sell it to Walmart. Yeah. Um, ultimately, this feels like a massive step back for women's hockey. Right. You go, you literally go from what looked like on the horizon of 11 ish, 13 ish teams landscape that you hoped would grow into an AFL NFL sort of situation with a ton of teams all over. Like that was, that was the, the generous reading, uh, bye (laughs) hunger games happened. Uh, yeah, they nuked it. Uh, this is now, survival for players like it will be a big training camps for this league are going to be insane if they have them right like i mean you have to have them if you have a huge player pool you got to see who's got it you got to see how these like maybe yeah that's possible for sure if you're but new, it, new like revived mecca boston pride and you have any semblance of your former leadership team. I mean, mean, one bloodthirstiness, (laughs) right? You know, are you not casting a pretty wide net for players? It's going to be, I think if they have tryouts, it's going to be like my sixth grade baseball tryout where (laughs) it was five days of tryouts. And after the first day, they picked all but like four players and they were all players who had played the year before. And it was like, oh, okay, for two teams. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little on the hopeful side now that this axe has come down. I understand like the PWHPA thinks that they're better players, but what if, what if they're not, you know, like Teresa Manizola is going to have a place. The the, Madison Packer seems very confident that she's going to have a place. Uh, those players, you know, the, the, the upper echelon of the formerly PHF cadre, one hopes they'll, they'll be treated fairly and with respect and, and brought into the league as they probably deserve. Uh, and maybe we'll see a couple of players that, you know, are surprises, but yeah, to hear that the PWHPA is going to prioritize its own players. Like there's definitely some hubris going into this. Yeah. I, there, there's definitely a chance that, you know, this is like 
clear cutting a forest or burning down a forest to let it regrow anew. Right. There's mm-hmm. there, there is a, a, a future out there. One of many parallel futures where this is much better for the sport in the long run. Yeah. Every time we get our hedges cut down and our roses trimmed back, I'm like, really, you got to do it this fucking aggressively. Like one hopes it's sort of that situation. Yeah. And then like six weeks later, you're like coming back, come back and cut these again. Right. Because the PWHPA was always going to have the corporate sponsorship that the PHF was going to chase. And so there's a lot of this story to be written still, and there's a lot of this story to come out yet. So I'm going to try and stay as middle as I can. But yeah, this sucks for the PHF. This sucks because we were all really really looking forward to this upcoming season and the new financial situation that, you know, maybe now in retrospect was too good to be true. So it's just a big bummer for everyone involved for, for these 120 or so players and personnel that, and the people that they care about and the people that, that are depending on them. Um, and the people that looked to, a professional hockey career that now may not really ever pan out. Um, thank goodness. They're probably more likely to have degrees than your average, like NCAA football player. <laughs> yeah. I think the, this is without a doubt, a grim day for the sport. It's a backtracking or a backsliding. Uh, and Evan's been talking about it. And we've both been talking about it. I think the thing to keep in focus the most here today is, uh, at least 120 women lost their jobs today. Mm-hmm. And much like everybody else in this world, uh, they were really counting on those jobs to sustain them and to sustain their families and to continue their dream of being a, a professional hockey player. And it, it fucking sucks really like that that those dreams for many of these women are now tarnished and you know and all for naught yeah it's it's a huge bummer um i think you know we we've spent kind of the off season of the phf saying that this growth is really inspiring for those a lot of these women who are playing ncaa hockey or u sports hockey who the PHA or the PWHPA is like turning their nose up to and, but they're finding a home and making good money in the PHF and that's no longer an option. And so that, that any contracting of teams is a bummer, but when you contract those teams and effectively fire your entire workforce, that's a real, just like punch right in the kidneys. And it, it, it will take women's hockey a long time, I think, to recover from both the, as you pointed out, hubris of this move and also the, the like, who do you trust now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as a fan, like, say the Connecticut whale continue to exist. Do I care? Like, am I still like gung ho about the Connecticut whale. If Emma Vlasic's not on the team, like, or like, yeah, all these players and storylines we've been following for the past couple of years, just like poof gone. Yeah. Now, now the storyline is like, well, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, now, now the storyline is like who's breaking whose ankles at camp and like I don't know. I I, I think when we get to the uh, the the brass tacks on deciding what players are going to have jobs like that's going to be crazy yeah um one one final note uh as melissa burgess of the victory press on said on twitter i understand that it's very easy to be angry at bjk billy jean king enterprises and mark the mark walter group and the pwha pwhpa right now but the phf board of governors would have had to agree to this too and that kind of makes us speculate once more that maybe there was some financial constraints or burdens or hardships that had come to the league. And, uh, you know, it turns out maybe doubling your salary cap twice into a two year period is too much. I don't know, but maybe they made them enough and they can't refuse. And that's the other thing. Like, what if it was just so much money that the owners were like, Oh yeah, take it. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. And, like it's just like, buying a tech company and it, it, there are many different flavors of ways this could go uh but yeah <laughs> one wonders if they saw what the saudis did with the golf leagues recently and be like i could do that <laughs> one of our benefactors owns the fucking dodgers we're good yeah <laughs> i would also really like to uh see what the figures were that they paid for this uh yeah, there's there's a lot that we don't know right now that we're, I don't know, excited's probably not the right word, but uh, anticipating. It's I'm anxious. Or it's a brave new world in women's hockey. That's for sure. I'm and sad. It, it is sad. Uh, one wonders if there will still maybe be another league uh, to, you know, be formed if there's a player pool that exists afterwards that isn't served by this i mean one supposes that starting with six teams you would then expand probably pretty quickly considering that there seemed to be a player pool to support 10 or 12 but who knows maybe the maybe the financial draw isn't there and and the, the phf was kind of always working on borrowed time Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of borrowed time, we're no longer going to get pride jerseys in the NHL. Or any special warm-up jerseys, for that matter. But mainly pride jerseys. It was done to spite the pride jerseys. Yeah. Uh, Gary Bettman and the Board of Governors of the NHL have decided that there will no longer be any special jerseys worn by NHL teams, despite whatever night the NHL teams are uh, are having celebrations that this NHL team is having, like you know, worn during warmups. Yes, yeah, worn during warmups, like ceremonially. Vancouver always does a big uh, uh, Chinese New Year or Diwali uh, jersey. Um, you know, a lot of teams have military appreciation nights, and all the guys get to wear camo out on the ice for warmups. Yeah, um, and then a lot of these jerseys are often auctioned off and the proceeds are given blah 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 like this has very real financial implications for 
a whole host of nonprofits, nowhere near anything gay. Like that, it's just they they cut off the leg because they had a mosquito bite. Yeah, they were like, ah, we gotta. Who's this gonna hurt the most? Ah, uh, well, I mean, armed forces. We need firefighters or EMT first responder nights. We do uh, you cancer, know, can- cancer, breast cancer awareness, um, colon cancer. There are some teams that wear all brown jerseys for colon cancer. <laughs> um, but you know. We really got to hurt the gays. Um, and yeah. and that's really the crux of this, this, this decision is Ivan Provorov and his fucking douchebag cronies decided that they were going to be bigots in real time. And then the teams folded and, to their various demands a couple times. And I mean, a, a slippery slope happened. Like, there's no other way to to really see this as, like, we're kowtowing to the lowest common denominator. And a very small amount of bitchy people. Yeah, it's like, it's like the slippery slope led to, like institutionalized fascism. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. I mean, it's not it's not unlike that. it it's fucking ridiculous. Like, Every and I say it's fucking ridiculous on two levels. One, just this decision alone is fucking ridiculous. Like you, you as a league can't put fucking rainbows on your jerseys and not have crybabies and Russian or Russian Orthodox like bitches, <laughs> like because that's what you are. You're a you're a fucking weak ass dude who can't even pretend to support a cause, like. Your, oh, your religion tells you you can't. Well, then your religion fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, and, you know, like, yeah, Russian Orthodoxy is bad, but, like, the Southern Baptists don't even allow women to be preachers. So, fuck them, too. Like, this is, this what this is, is, like, kowtowing to religious right, and it's kowtowing to a vast minority of, a very small minority of hockey players Right, and just right-wing agitators that didn't give a shit about hockey yeah. in the first place. They just want to fold it into their culture war. But 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 Ivan Provorov's jersey sold out on NHL.com. And that's probably what fucking did it. All six of them. <laughs> yeah, right. All uh, six of the jerseys they had in stock. There's a 350-pound man in Texas wearing a size medium <laughs> Ivan Provorov jersey around just his neck right now because he was like, God damn it, I gotta have me one of those Ivan Ivan Provorov's jerseys. <laughs> That's Spanish, right, Ivan? No. Uh, it's like, this is, this is a catering to the lowest common denominator. And what it is, is it, it's just another in a series, a like very blatant and obvious series of steps away from having any sort of actual substance by the NHL. Like every mm-hmm. time there's a moment for them to shine, Gary Bettman, like tightens his belt a couple of notches on his fucking dad jeans <laughs> and walks out into the street and says, Hey, Hey, Ah, we don't care about minorities. Ah, hi, hey. And gays aren't part of this culture. Name 
name like two things that go together closer than the NHL and fumbling the fucking bag. Uh, um, now I like, I think I had an example last week. I don't have one today, <laughs> uh, because this comes out and it's so fucking embarrassing to the sport to like people who care about actually everybody in the sport and including everybody in the sport, except Mitchell Miller. Like <laughs> it's like, like, like those people who want to see hockey become a bastion for inclusivity to the extent that it can, when you have a like 85% white population of players, like the fact that it can't give that very small minority of players who are either, uh, you know, on the queer spectrum or are of a different race than, than white, uh, is painful and speaking of players that are i mean maybe from a different planet uh this is such a fucking stupid move it made Connor mcdavid have a feeling Connor mcdavid had an opinion and like that's twice right that's twice ever he took time out of i just got engaged sex to voice his opinion that it which was is, disappointing to see. Which is great. Like, 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 that's pointed out. Yeah. He just got engaged to a super rich girl who is, yes, she's blonde. Um, no. But you don't say. But yeah, he says, it's not my call, but obviously it's disappointing. Certainly, I can't speak for every organization. I know in Edmonton, we were one of the first teams to use the pride tape, which is like, that's a big deal for these hockey players is, yeah. you know, that that's how putting they, a rainbow on your stick for warmups. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, he says, we strongly feel hockey is for everybody. And that includes the pride nights like that for Connor McDavid, historically speaking, that's putting your foot down. Yeah. There's a, uh, th- there's just a, a super tragic element to this. Like, much as we are shocked that Wayne Gretzky is good on television, we are doubly shocked that Connor McMilktoast, <laughs> white waspy McDavid, lives in her medically sealed, uh, like modernist mansion. He's like a plastic toy from the seventies that a nerd keeps under wraps and underneath a blanket, so even the sun can't hurt it. Like until you put him on knives on ice and then he becomes uh, a human highlight reel and lightning in a bottle he's connor mcbaby jesus and there's a reason for it you know da vinci had art yeah and and mcdavid has knives on his feet (laughs) yeah who wins that fight i'm not sure da vinci not sure if da vinci had had personality though yeah he might have been a a tool too you might da vinci might have been like yeah, we gotta get four lines on the page yeah you gotta get four lines on the page we just we just gotta make this sketch today and uh what's your sketch about um it's a sketch uh you know that's the, a that's a good bill belichick impression is what you just did it's it's <laughs> yeah, a, we're, it's, we're on on to cleveland we're on, on to cleveland it's a it's a sketch and uh it shows the uh range of motion of a human man's arms and uh and uh yeah some people say i've designed a flying machine but that's that's speculative um 
<laughs> so speaking of other generational greats, uh, Steven Stamkos also uh, came to the defense of Pride Nights, Pride Jerseys uh, with a very, very, he made a very good point, uh, just saying it was 98 or 99% of the players that wore the jersey and enjoyed wearing it and were proud wearing it, whatever the jersey was, whether it was Pride, the Military Nights, the Cancer Nights, um, said the story shouldn't be about the guys that didn't wear it, the one or two guys. I understand what gets the clicks, and that's what gets the views, but the word distraction gets thrown around. I don't think it had to have been a distraction. It could have been a non-issue while focusing on the good that was coming out of those nights. He, he must have just like a, a PR button somewhere in his brain. Like, hmm, perfect response. Trigger. Yeah, he's not wrong. No, but I think at the same time, I think it's important to recognize the negative that comes from people like Ivan Provorov mm-hmm. uh, making this statement because it reinforces bigotry. Like, oh, famous Russian hockey player says, well, semi-famous Russian <laughs> hockey player <laughs> Russian hockey player isn't going to like he's not a Vetchkin. he's a semi-famous Russian hockey player yeah. uh says it's okay to not wear a pride jersey well daggummit I'm not gonna wear a pride jersey either like well, you're a you're a cashier at a grocery store well I'm not gonna wear a pride register shirt either and one even wonders if like Ivan Provorov like wanted to make this kind of statement or he just didn't want to wear the jersey or maybe he just fucking wanted to skip warm-ups maybe he just this case <laughs> right. yeah it's okay uh because of my religion yeah well religion <laughs> sucks yeah. come at me russian orthodoxy i have a hard time believing that he wanted it to become this big thing he like, had he to just, know yeah i don't but he's not the person who put a statement out like he just quietly wanted to not participate and then the media and right-wing controversy seekers latched onto it, and here we have this molehill made into a mountain. But that's, but that's the, the point I'm saying, is that it's not a molehill. Like, when people who have a platform decide to use that platform to you know, not support the people who need support in Mm -hmm. this culture or in this country that you are putting yourself in the spotlight by refusing to like, like regardless of the reason, Mm -hmm. like maybe he has a fractured toe and they're saving him for the game. People are going to notice that he didn't skate in warmups. And if it's a fractured toe, you come out and you say, oh, he actually has a fractured toe. We're trying to keep him off his feet as much as possible, but he still wanted to play in the game, so right. we didn't have him skate warm us. And Okay, till, cool. Till John Tortorella told everybody, nobody knew. Yeah. No, I don't think that's true, because like it, that shit was on Twitter before the game even started. Uh, there was like supposition, but he didn't like say anything if i remember correctly no it just kind of came out that that was the reason and then he comes out and he's like because of my religion and it's like bro like i ivan provorov 
and you know whatever players on these teams that decided to forego forego their jerseys uh whomever they are um like they made an active choice yeah i guess my big disappointment is with like the teams that kind of gave up really easily oh yeah Uh, that's even worse because that's where it started to snowball and i think well people saw the shit that ivan Provorov took and then like right somebody somebody on the minnesota wild or the new york rangers was it the wild i know the rangers were one i don't remember if it was the wild i'm sorry wild if i loved you chicago no it was yeah it was new york chicago was one and reports were each time it was like a couple of players yeah. that, that wanted to sit this out. Yeah. A couple of players. And you can't just like, you know, hockey is so kind of everybody together in the room. One, we're, we're one. Like, you can't just let those players be outed. Yeah. It needed to be everyone being complicit in bigotry together. They time and time and time again show us how fucking pathetic they are (laughs) uh like at a certain point it's like if it wasn't so harmful it would be comical like how shitty they are (laughs) like we like we're laughing but like not laughing we're laughing because it stops us from crying laugh cry yeah it's it's just like they they trip over their own feet yeah Uh, and you know we're gonna kind of pivot away from this here because like good things happened in hockey this week as well um or at least interesting things um i'm definitely not bitter about who got the first pick of the draft still um but they, yeah who could have predicted that we're uh everyone fucking everyone um because the nhl is so predictable uh <laughs> in the middle of what should be one of their biggest nights like they're celebrating the supposed birth of the chosen one connor bedard uh coming to save this racist mascotted rape enabling <laughs> franchise from the mediocrity it deserves the second coming of a connor and uh and this comes out just beforehand and you're just like oh well fuck you i even i i barely even care about this now like i i i tuned in because i wanted to see who the red wings picked um and they happen to have two draft picks this year in the first round but it's it's just it's painful to give a shit about this league because it makes you want to hate it so bad Mm -hmm. and then hockey starts back up and i'm like i can tune out the noise but i can't because then i come and record our podcast and i remember all the shitty things yeah, you, you, one truly is in sort of like a, an abusive relationship to be a hockey fan. It would be almost better if the NHL was an unknown entity like Kyle Richardson, which was very funny. Uh, Kyle Richardson, who just sort of looks like your average like young Nashville bro uh, on the street when he's not done up in a suit as one does when you're doing professional things in hockey. Um he got interviewed by some random street interviewer in advance of the draft and did a great job of playing the deadpan part 
realizing that this person had no clue that he was uh, the GM of the team with the first overall pick, and he knew a thing or two about hockey. Uh, the guy, the interviewer says, um, so how much, on a scale from one to ten, do you think you know about hockey? And he goes, oh, I don't know, four? <laughs> well, he says, like, you know, I never played the game, so I can't really know that much, right? Uh like, it's just kind of like a middle finger slash, like, uh, it, it was, as much as I hate the Chicago hockey team, this was really funny. Yeah, the only thing that could ruin it is, like, it comes out that it was completely fucking staged or yeah. something. <laughs> Which would not be a surprise. Uh, no, it would not. No, no, it would be a surprise because the NHL can't do good PR um, or marketing. Um, this, I think my favorite part was... Uh, okay. One final question on a, uh, yes or no. Do you think that the NHL rigged the draft to give the Chicago Blackhawks the first pick? If you just look straight ahead, he goes, no, <laughs> he goes, you're pretty confident in that. He goes, yeah, I'm very confident. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funnier if he said yes. I, been, I was waiting for it. When that you sent been, me that clip, I was like, yes, say it. Yes. Oh, but it was still funny. It was a great moment. Uh, that may have been the highlight of the draft in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. I mean, depending on who you root for, it really went according to chalk, according to how a lot of the predictions went. Um, Chicago did not make an accident at number one and did not reportedly ever even try and trade it. And they took Connor McBaby, Jesus Bedard, there's not a whole lot to say about it. He's good. He's good at the hockey. He's probably the best talent on paper to come out of the NHL draft in eight or nine years, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe since the McDavid Eichel draft, I think. Yeah. Uh, and best it's going to be interesting to see, you know, him as like smaller stature compared to those two dudes. Like if he can live up to the hype. Yeah. And you know, he's he is going into a situation where uh, even with all of the trades that they made uh, up into the draft, they currently have one line of NHL talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're and like maybe some ghosts to surround him with. <laughs> but uh, Jeremy Roenick's like, I'm coming out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, Anna tell the women to leave the building. Hey, I'm trying to talk about Anaheim. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anaheim made it interesting and went Leo Carl. Leo Carl sends <laughs> a pussy. I'm here to play with Bedard. <laughs> okay. I like, I like I, that, it. Okay. That was my last interruption. I, I promise. I mean, that's a good Jeremy Roenick, really. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Did you, I, I recently reminded, or saw the story, like he got, shit canned by jordan in golf and then jordan like went out and put up 40 points after he bet against the bulls yeah uh great story anywho uh anaheim made it interesting and went leo carlson over michigan man adam fantilli uh it's hard to know what to make of it other than i don't know some people think that leo carlson maybe has better hockey sense or i don't know fantilli's one fight was just too ungentlemanly. Uh, 
I think uh, I think Corey Pronman was the first uh, person to kind of say on the morning of the draft that it sounded like Anaheim was leaning Carlson. Um, it, you know, it, there was a lot to be made about kind of splitting hairs between the two. Yeah. Um, it's a good way to put it. I, in my totally unbiased <laughs> uh, opinion, would have absolutely taken Fantilli second. Um, and I'm biased for a couple of reasons, both of which uh, have to do with me being a Michigan fan. One, I don't want any Wolverines in Columbus against their will. <laughs> Except there are several. There are so many. He's joining a veritable uh, Wolverine den you on could, the Columbus Blue Jackets You could now. put an entire fucking line of Wolverines out. Exactly. Uh, it's, they stick uh, together. Yeah. Are well, they a pack animal? Un- oh, very much. No. No, they're very <laughs> solitary. Like, they come together to mate, and that's it. Otherwise, they're like, ew, get away from me. I have to go carry a goat head across this mountain range. Yeah, not in true. My mouth. Not true of University of Michigan graduates. Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. So uh, Ted Kaczynski may be uh, notwithstanding. You know, Ted Kaczynski was a boy genius. We uh, we we miss that. Um, uh, Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, Fanta- the other reason why is because Anaheim has a tendency to let their prospects marinate a little bit more, and mm-hmm. Anaheim is way far away from being competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Columbus thinks it's going to be competitive this year and has made a bunch of moves in order to kind of solidify that competitiveness this year. And so I think they're going to put a little bit more pressure on Fantilli to go pro than Anaheim would have. Yeah, that- and so... That um, difference in dichotomy is interesting. What's what's good for Columbus is bad for Michigan hockey. They also drafted Gavin Brindley with like the second or third pick. I think second pick of the second round. Uh, Gavin I, is a Brindley is a player I really like, and so uh, he's small, but he's feisty and he's a really excellent skater. So um, th- the other like funny things that kind of came out were. Uh, both centered around uh, David Reinbacher <laughs> unintentionally poor David Reinbacher. He had, a, he had a great slash rough night. <laughs> yeah. Carey Price is not the most famous Montreal Canadian of all time, obviously, but he's, you know, of the last like 30 years, he's one of the most famous Montreal Canadians and he forgot your name. <laughs> um, he just like turned around and looked at someone and someone shouts out Ryan Parker. Like and then he you, mispronounces it. You know Ryan Backer. You know that they prepped him on the way up. Like they were like, it's David Like, why didn't anybody give him a card? Yeah, I it that was a bit of a failure on their part, because he obviously just has a deer in headlights moment, which is kind of surprising considering uh the pressure-filled hockey that Carey Price has played over yeah, his career. He's been the face of the Montreal franchise since Saku Koivu left like 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, anyways. Um, and then post, uh, post-interview or post-draft interviews came out and they asked David Reinbacher, um, what's the most difficult question somebody asked him? And his was, uh, it's World War II, 
and you're on a you're a captain of a boat and some of your sailors are in the water but you want to go attack this enemy boat but your sailors will die what do you do and he goes well i would save my soldiers and they're like and they're like you don't have a choice <laughs> yeah uh, weirder still because uh he's austrian yeah <laughs> and, and uh you know we just need needed that to be in world war ii apparently very strange fucking question yeah it could have been any war ever you've been like ah oh, it's the the battle of the bering straits i don't know fuck you can uh, whatever. just show him the fucking trolley problem like <laughs> point to which way the trolley goes yeah kill all the people is the yeah, answer right now yeah. that is the inevitable answer for capitalism yeah. but yeah. um congratulations to david reinbacher and also congratulations on one of the weirdest draft sequences we've ever had and probably will ever have i mean one hopes that this is just a tiny little bump in the road in a long and fruitful career and not something like the champagne not breaking on the kursk yeah. <laughs> uh submarines so hot right now i mean once they scrape them off the bottom of the ocean yeah Speaking of the bottom of the ocean, how many fucking millions of dollars did we spend to bring those dead fucking billionaires death trap back up to the fucking surface? Probably more than it took to buy the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Touche. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, speaking of the bottom of the ocean, uh, Tyler Peddle was your Mr. Irrelevant last player selected in the draft by the Columbus Blue Raspberries. Um, the blueberry bulldogs. Yep. The, the Columbus blue mouth after you eat a nice frozen treat, not Smurf. Sure. Yeah. Uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum from Tyler pedal is Connor McDavid, who is the best player in the world. That is inarguable. If you want to tell me somebody else is, I'll just be like, Hey, uh, no, anyway, <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably just cackle so much that like the top of my head falls off backwards and then the bottom my like mandible just continues to sit there and cackle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Connor McDavid was the uh, almost unanimous heart winner uh, in what is one of the best single person seasons we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah, he went full on Super Saiyan mode this year. After Austin Matthews did it last year with the goal scoring win, he he said, no, I got game, as we all sort of thought he might. <laughs> I think we were like a week into the season and we were like, oh, Connor's mad. <laughs> and turns out he cranked out a highlight reel this year that set a new standard for Connor McDavidness and um, made many NHL defensemen reconsider their livelihoods yeah or at least go play in the east where you only have to play them like twice a year some dingus had the gall to give Connor mcdavid a fifth place vote after he just outscored everyone by a country mile i want to congratulate this person on one of the most epic troll jobs of all of hockey twitter ever because they mobilized like they were a mercenary army going towards Moscow. And then they were demobilized just as quickly. But like this, I don't know. Do you think this was just like epic idiocy or 
was he fucking with people? It's on purpose. And, you know, the, the Twitter mob on both sides of the equation for any issue is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it um, is, but this was <laughs> this was something special. Uh, but like, how dare you not put Book David number one? You know, like, shut up. Like, who gives it? He's still one. I'm going to confuse this, but people are saying that he should be kicked out of the PHWA, Professional Hockey Writers Association, yeah. for this. Uh, someone pointed out that he has maybe a history of contrarianism. And so seems like they're probably going to let him stay. Like he's like routinely like left Austin Matthews off of heart votes and like, <laughs> put who do you vote number one? Like, like Jordan Stahl or yeah, like, right. Like fucking Radko Gudis or Tyler Sagan. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Interested in finding out more about why, you know, if there's some sort of silly rationale for this, but um, yeah, the players said that he's also the best, and so he got the Ted Lindsay. He should win it every year. Probably he's the best player in the world. Like, just give just him the Lindsay. Give, just etch his name in it until he retires. Right. I mean, and they could they could do the same for Bergeron in the Selkie. Um, he won it again for his like, sixth time. Yeah, another one. Um, Allmark. His teammate gets the Vezina, as he probably should. This is all chalk. Like, everything... Uh, there was no surprises in the NHL awards this and year. allegedly, at some point, uh, Vegas stopped allowing betting on these awards because it was so... It, it was just all going against the house. And so they just gave people their money back and were like, this is not a contest. Yeah. Uh, like... Eric Carlson won the Norris. Bergeron got the Selkie. Kopitar with the Lady Bing. Latang with the Masterson. Beniers with the Calder. Uh, Stamkos gets the Messier Award, which goes to uh, Baldest Man. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is weird, because Stamkos has a full head of hair. I don't know why. He, it should have gone to Mark Giordano. It goes for uh, Best Hockey Player Advertising Commercial. Ah, oh that, that one is actually pretty good. It's great. The one with uh, him and... Um, Victor Hedman. Uh, Victor Hedman. Yeah, it's so good. I want to touch on um, the Calder because sometimes players can be eligible and uh, rumor has it that Michael Bunting is the front runner for next year. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're entering into uh, an era where the Michael Bunting jokes are still funny. <laughs> he's, uh, ac he's actually... Uh, they're creating a new. Uh, they're creating a new award, which is the Old Horse Award. <laughs> uh. The Beaten Horse Award. <laughs> yeah, and that'll go on the Home Depot pallet cart behind the scenes with the rest of the NHL awards, which is hilarious because, like, the Stanley Cup gets like a dude, a, a butler who fucking carries it places like it's a pillow princess, and uh, the rest of them get Home Depot like. It has We're going to buy some nails. It cart. has a padded carrying case. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, It's got a life worth more than your average person on food stamps. Uh, I think its bed is probably more comfortable than like two thirds of America's beds. <laughs> it's, it's got a, a, a Sealy Posturepedic. <laughs> uh, Jim Montgomery won the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year. Uh, talks about his 
battle with alcoholism as kind of like a rah rah like uh it's a very good speech yeah it was an excellent speech it was you know like it was very like from the heart and very easy to to kind of get into you root for a guy who has overcome uh Mm -hmm. something that is you know afflicts so many americans especially um and hockey players yeah yeah um and so it like well any addiction to Mm -hmm. like a substance Um, yeah yeah. hockey players like to collect them it turns out they're like pokemon for uh uh, on a new one yeah and it was i think it was a, a it was a good moment for the award show for sure and then they screwed it up because that's the, the what the nhl knows how to do and as a part of a uh, skit immediately after he does this they hand out free beer and red solo cups to everybody whoops <laughs> like <sighs> can you just get out of your own way for once nhl the nhl needs to fire its entire marketing department and hire a boatload of seals because they would do way better than whatever the NHL is concocting at this <laughs> point. And I mean, maybe they didn't know what he was going to say, but you should have known like ask him. <laughs> yeah. He's going to win. His team just had the best regular season in the history of hockey. He's going to win. Ask the dude. Hey, if you win this Jack Adams award. What's your speech going to be about? Oh, I'm going to talk about my alcohol alcoholism and you know how I've overcome it. And they're just like (laughs) (laughs) making the throat slashing, like nix the beer skit, (laughs) move the beer skit. (laughs) Um, also it's too late. No, beer skin has already started. Oh, no, can't push the button. Abort, abort. Sean Avery's like just doling out beers. God. So, in other good news, uh, Jason McCrimmon of the uh, Motor City Gamblers uh, won the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. Um, he is a Detroit native who works on making hockey more accessible one of the people doing the lord's work with this game um he has a host of duties he is the ambassador for the detroit red wings learn play score program um one of the things that is part of his program of providing equitable access to hockey and yeah this guy is living the tradition of willie o'ree and you know more power to him The other big thing that kind of happens around the draft is uh, people get fucking traded. <laughs> um, sometimes for nothing, but sometimes for other things. Sometimes for our favorite player of all future considerations. Uh, I, I feel like we can kind of like walk through these pretty quickly here because there's just like, like there's a couple of big ones in there. But for the most part, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Um, the big one is PLD. Um, Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, uh, which is like actually how his mother says it. Um, uh, he was part of probably the biggest trade of the off season thus far. Uh, Some would call it a mega deal. Um, sure. Yeah, no, it's like the closest like, thing that we've got. I, yeah, I, I don't know that 
Pierre-Luc Dubois on his own could be part of a mega deal. I don't know if he's worth the players that were traded for him, um, but he was one of these rare sign-in trades that uh, apparently NHL GMs are starting to figure out. Yeah, they were just like, wait, 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 wait. You mean we can have, we want this guy. Uh-huh. He's on another team. Uh-huh. We can't give him an eight-year deal. Uh-uh. But we want to give him an eight-year deal. Uh-huh. Because he's really good. And he likes eight years. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't like eight-year-old? I mean, eight years. <laughs> that's a that's a Catholic priest joke. Um, we're just trashing on religion today. And you know what? I'm here for it. Um, so you can sign him to an eight-year deal. Uh-huh. And to the terms that we dictate. Mm-hmm. And then you give him to us? Mm-hmm. Daggummit, that's a deal. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, who knows if he's worth it, but he got eight years, eight and a half million dollars. Um, in return, Winnipeg gets Alex Laflalo, Gabe Velarde, and some dude named Rasmus Kupari. He was a first round pick a couple years ago. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, all right. I mean, I, I assume be- anyone named Rasmus is on Buffalo. So very fair. Yeah, um, uh, that that is a, an actual. It's it's a a fait accompli. Right. Oh, the, the Rasmai. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, so they also got a 2024 second rounder. Yeah, I you know the Kings are loading up. Mm-hmm. The Pacific still sucks, and they've got a chance to be really good. Um, and I just wonder if they don't have a goalie. I don't wonder if I just wonder if PLD is worth these two dudes. Like they were key cogs in what they were doing last year. Uh, they're both. I think Gabe Velarde's like twenty five, and Lafalo is like twenty nine. Um, I don't know. I know Velarde was like he had a breakout for him. Yeah, Velarde was also a first-round pick, uh, and there's a lot of speculation that playing higher up the lineup, he might be a lot better. Yeah, and uh, so... And he's defensively responsible, which PLD is not, but they also have uh, uh, Deneau there. Yeah, so. right. So the the interesting thing is if PLD plays up to this contract like he's been a bit of a prima donna everywhere that he's been and added, like john tortorella had to try his damnedest to get him to play some defense so i don't know i think that's really interesting and also the the question is what do you do with byfield then if you have a bunch of centers i can't fault anybody for fighting to get out of columbus sure but uh you know you have Velarde, you or sorry, you have PLD, you have Andre Kopitar, you have Byfield. Uh, who's the other center there? Dino. Yeah, Dino. So, guy you just named. Yeah, that that the guy who I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so yeah, like people are saying, like okay, maybe didn't uh, Byfield becomes a wing or something. Uh, I don't know. It, it's. It's an He's going to have to. Right. It's an interesting trade. Or Kopitar moves to the wing. Right. And and who's your first line center now? Uh, you know, as Kopitar is aging a little right, bit. PLD. But is, is PLD like good enough 
the task. Like he's got the talent, he's got the frame, but he doesn't have the but he's motor. A, and he's that a twerp. Should have seen him become a star player by now. Yeah. So this is the big one. We'll see how it works out. Uh, hopefully it works out better for Winnipeg because let's be honest, I like them more than I like the Kings. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Uh, they, I think Winnipeg fleeced them. I think they, uh, they developed this market and they got everything that you could have possibly asked for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. Especially since it was like either LA or Montreal and Montreal was like, we're not going to give up anything for him. And they were yeah. like, so LA, we um, do not care. Hi. We do not care about this player. He's uh, toxic. Uh, so uh, let's run through some things real quick here. Mm-hmm. Alex Newhook was traded to Montreal for a first and a second. Picks 31 and 37 this year. Someone say Alex Newhook got a new hood. Um, and then Colorado flipped that pick 37 for Ross Colton. Only scores Colton. Uh I, I think that is a, a great trade by Colorado. You know, yeah. fleece the teams who can't afford anything. Isn't that right, Steve Eiserman? Um, Colorado's been super busy this offseason, uh, retooling quite a bit. Uh, Ryan Johansson, uh, they, traded f- uh, <laughs> they traded the rights for Alex Galchenyuk to, uh, to Nashville, who retained 50%, so $4 million of Ryan Johansson's salary for the next two years. Uh, this is kind of like a, not a desperate move, but like a pseudo-desperate move for a 2C. Um, they needed to move him somehow, and I think this this works well for them long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh there was a proposed trade that was agreed to by both teams. That was uh, Travis Sanheim and Kevin Hayes with 50% retained going to the blues in exchange for a first rounder and Tory Krug. However, Tory Krug was like, nah, I got a no trade. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. That sucks that, as bad as Philly played that card. Which good for him. You know what got him that tra- that that card? Union representation. Mm-hmm. So God bless the unions. Um, AFL CIO. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> uh, got him that card, <laughs> and he said nah. And Dikembe Mutombo the shit out of that trade. Yeah. So eventually, Kevin Hayes was traded for a sixth round pick, which is uh, <laughs> not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they Kevin Hayes is paid. A, decent with, amount of money with and, like 50 percent retained right he's that's a useful player at a tasty price for st louis uh who has sneakily had one of the more entertaining off seasons i think yeah he'll slot as a 2c behind rob thomas <laughs> so um, smooth yeah uh, uh not smooth is uh carolina and philly Trying to execute a trade for the least smooth player in the NHL, Tony D'Angelo. Um, but, uh, and I'm gonna. By God, is that Gary Bettman's music? Ah, oh, it's Gary Bettman from the top rope with the CBA. Ah, uh, no deal. My God! <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they took exception to this and uh, won't let this deal happen 
At least for now. Yeah, at least for no, I think I think they'll allow at it in a month. <laughs> yeah. What is it? The end of July? Uh, because they say that because Tony D'Angelo was traded off of Carolina, Carolina cannot get him back with money retained uh, for one calendar year. What a stiff f you. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sticking in Carolina, Jordan Stahl signed a kind of surprising four-year extension. He'll be 38 at the end of that extension. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to play that. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. That's, that's a l- little ridiculous, probably just to get his AAV down because that team is loading up front on a cup run. Yeah, and at the same time, the cap is supposed to go up uh, maybe considerably here in the next couple of years. So eventually that 2.9 is just like, okay, whatever. Uh, especially for a guy who got selkie votes and yeah he know, i mean he he's he a great defensive centerman had, has had an awesome resurgence in his career as as just a defensive specialist for one of the best defensive teams out there so yeah good good for him um speaking of the stalls <laughs> yeah gordon miller actually got them mixed up on his selkie vote <laughs> which is great gordon miller uh tsn is that who he works for? I don't know. Sure. What, he, he's Canadian. Yeah, he's one, one of the... One Canadian. of those people just billowing wildfire smoke towards America. Um, uh, he got him mixed up with Eric Stahl, <laughs> his brother, which, to be fair, they look nothing alike. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, Eric Stahl, a defenseman, got a vote for a Selkie award, which is for forwards only, which... Is that like that might be a novel thing? First time defenseman voted for forward for best defenseman, yeah. best defensive forward. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're such a good defensive forward. You're a defenseman. Yeah, uh, and maybe it's just like shit talking Jordan Stahl. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but very funny. Um, also, rather funny. Taylor Hall reunited once again with the first overall draft pick. And it feels so good. <laughs> uh, it is. It's his lot in life, apparently. So, so Taylor Hall had a sixteen-team no-trade list. Yeah, and forgot to put the Chicago hockey team on it. it, it he probably has not changed it since he was traded to Boston in like several, seven years, right? Which is when Chicago was still pretending to go for it. And uh, likely, you know, didn't update it. Like, it's like forgetting to update your beneficiaries on your 401k. And sending it to your ex-wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, ex-wife, bank error in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> Do not pass go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Taylor Hall and Nick Felino went to Chicago in what was a big cap dump by, yeah. the, by the Bruins. Bruins get two sort of flamed out prospects in alec regula and uh, ian mitchell who at one point red wings fans were pissed that we traded away alec regula and we we're like oh how can we trade him away and then he did nothing ian mitchell was at one point a blue chip prospect and he's just was he in that nick nolte good. movie <laughs> uh Taylor Hall, of course, is under contract for, I think, two more years at about $6 million per. Nick Foligno is a free agent, uh, and he resigned for $4 million there in Chicago, which actually I think is 
it's an overpay, but it's like uh, we need to get to the sap the cap floor pay overpay. Yeah, and also like he's probably not going to get traded, so that that is just bumping up their cap floor once they once they trade everything for parts yeah. again. Um, they also acquired Josh Bailey from the Islanders and a second round pick just to absorb his salary, and they turned around. They traded our boy future considerations for Josh Bailey's services for mere minutes uh, before he was promptly bought out. Uh, they also traded for traded a seventh round pick for Corey Perry, which is very funny because he was like the antichrist to every Chicago fan during the cup runs when Anaheim was also good. And uh, yeah, so that is that's hilarious. I kind of like Corey Perry, um, but I don't know. I don't really care about this a whole lot since I don't care about Chicago anymore. Yeah. Uh, future considerations was also traded again in a cap dump. Uh, Edmonton traded Kyler Yamamoto and Clem Costin to uh, to the Red Wings. The battleship. Uh, the uh, the the stink of this is that Edmonton came and was like, hey you want to take this contract? And Detroit was like, yeah, give us Costin too. And they were like, ah, all right. <laughs> uh, Kyler Yamamoto is a decent player. He's just not worth what they're paying him. Yeah. And on a team with no cap problems, like the Red Wings. <laughs> yeah. You absorb that contract for a year. You say goodbye and you try and re-sign Clem Costin because he's a bigger dude who plays with some grit and some sandpaper, but can also score goals. That's a good name, Klim Costin. Klim Costin. Uh, honestly, that could be a battleship name, too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, we already talked about this. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to bounce around. Um, other big trades. Original misfit, Riley Smith, uh, was traded to Pittsburgh for a third-round pick in 2024 in a totally completely unrelated move had nothing to do with the Riley Smith trade. Uh, Ivan Barbashev resigned in Vegas five years for $5 million. What this really shows is once again, Vegas does not give a fuck about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least they kept him around long enough to, to win a cup and, and, you know, be the first person it was passed to, but yeah, the Borg moves on. And unfortunately they have to make, Make some sort of salary concessions, and <clears throat> Barbashev looked great. He's younger. Uh, Riley Smith is a hell of a catch for Pittsburgh for a third-round pick. Like, that really helps Sidney Crosby's cup window they're trying to, like, pry back open. For, like, one year. They've got one year. Sure. That's all, that's all he needs. That's all Sidney Crosby needs is one year. Other big things... Uh, Tyler Toffoli went to New Jersey for Igor Sharangovich and a third. Uh, Sharangovich was an RFA. He signed a two-year deal worth $3.1 mil a year. Uh, Good times were had by all here. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood went from San Jose to New Jersey, or New Jersey to San Jose. He just traded what goes in front of the J. Yeah. Uh, Timo Meyer, speaking of the devils. Uh, Speak of the devil. And he shall appear. <gasps> Timo Meyer signed eight by 8.8 um should have been six by six by six yeah but. um but timo meyer is too expensive for that 
you know, the Devils have re-signed their two big RFAs that they were trying to keep in the pocket this year uh, uh, with him and uh, Jesper Bratt. Um, good on them, I guess. Um, Swiss Army Knife David Kampf uh, re-signs with Toronto four years, $2.4 million per. He's kind of a, a penalty kill specialist and, and do-everything kind of guy. Um, and that's kind of it until tomorrow yeah yeah <laughs> there actually something probably happened while we've been recording this and we're just like nah, i'm not checking cap friendly yeah no not not right now fuck it uh a couple of interesting notes uh we touched on this earlier but it turns out that columbus ohio actually loves them some wolverines uh after drafting adam fantilli and gavin brindley this week uh this means they now have five former michigan wolverines on their roster uh, along with Nick Blankenberg, Kent Johnson, and Zach Wierenski. Thankfully, perfect, beautiful baby Dylan Larkin is still in his home state and is like just living the dream as the captain of the Red Wings, <laughs> and all these poor saps can live in that shithole metropolis in the center of Ohio, which is a shithole state. It's not like they're all that far away. Uh, far enough. <laughs> so- uh, south till you smell it, east till you step in it. <laughs> Welcome to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I, I actually think it's a sneak invasion. We're taking over! Right? Like, the Columbus Blue Jackets are just the Trojan horse that is getting all of these Wolverines just into the belly of the beast. They actually should have probably been in Toledo, but whatever. <laughs> That's Toledo, the only city in Ohio that likes Michigan. That's a story for another day, kids. Speaking of stories for another season, the 23... 23- 24 year schedule was released well, the 23 34 schedule as is in our <laughs> in our notes yeah it's it's for the year 23 34 they just they're just posting this 11 years in advance well they developed a mathematical formula that they can just they can project uh you know what the the schedule is like in the year 3000 um ostensibly the chicago blackhawks will be tapped to play the winter classic on mars every year until infinity <laughs> The the big winner of this schedule is viewers. <laughs> you the fan. Because they are actually fucking staggering game times. Uh, it's what? like... Uh, you mean it not shines every, with a gold light. You mean not every game's going to be at 7 o'clock again? <laughs> no way! It's like you want people to watch your your product? Oh my god! Yeah. But they are still going to black out every single fucking Kraken game for <laughs> us in Portland. <laughs> and each game's going to start like 25 minutes after it's scheduled. Yeah. In wider and super interesting hockey news, uh, Tennessee State is planning to become the first uh, HBCU to add a hockey team. This was widely reported. A official announcement has yet to uh, make its rounds, but it looks like they're planning to become a club team first and then uh, flip to become an NCAA team, at which time they plan to add a women's hockey program um, as is likely required under title nine and uh yeah this is a really cool development they have a long-standing relationship with the predators so this has some support by the nhl and 
they're following in the footsteps of what Arizona State and other kind of nascent hockey programs have done. So this is a really cool development, and it's cool to see like the NHL's building abilities being used in this way. Yeah, it's almost like a major corporation could use its uh, <laughs> it, its cachet for good. Wow, what a thought. Um, I don't know what to think about that because uh, no major corporations use their cachet for good. But this is this is an amazing story. Uh, it, it and I'm really glad that we're reporting on it because there is no shortness of animus in the hockey arena for like this, like this kind of vitriol that is spewed forth towards people of color. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. We did just see, you know, someone that was kicked off their team for a racial incident, uh, get drafted, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it underscores the importance of taking these steps and, and doing what you can to build, you know, build up the cadre of black hockey fans, black hockey players in order to grow your sport and, and make it, you know, more reflective of the community around you and a more diverse and honest place. And, uh, like, I don't know what their arena situation is going to be like, but I guarantee you because all hbcus have incredible marching bands yeah and i guarantee that this is going to be within years the best hockey barn in ncaa it could be pretty dope it's Um, gonna be incredible and it's notable that uh tennessee state it counts as his alma mater's uh, olympic gold medalist wilma rudolph <clears throat> Super Bowl champ Ed Tutal Jones and little known Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, who's that? I never heard of her. Never like heard of them. I don't even know what gender <laughs> they are. I wouldn't want to assume. Anson Carter announced Tuesday that he's the co-chair of the new Player Inclusion Coalition at uh, aimed at diversifying hockey. This is something that he's very into, and and I think everyone can kind of get behind. Like yeah, this is just, co- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, what you're saying. The other co-chair is PK Subban. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the awesome things that they did was they it, they recruited a number of women to take part on this council this time. Uh, that leadership was lacking the last time this sort of council was brought up and kind of established. Yeah, unfortunately, that seems to lag behind a lot. Uh, there were some people that pointed out that you know this announcing of the hockey program was a little bit light on plans for women's hockey. Um, and you know, that, that they're kind of being brought along second is a bit of a, a trust, trust us move. But yeah, we really hope that, that this pans out for both of these teams. Um, this is very cool. And I, I just wish them the best. Yeah. I I'm honestly, I'm just really glad that we could end this episode on some, non-sour grapes because you know like yeah because we were just talking about columbus ohio yeah and what a stench filled pus bag (laughs) um that's that english major at work pay people (laughs) right yeah i I, they're you know 
say what you want about the state of Ohio, but the reality of it is it sucks. Um, but like really what I'm trying to get at is there was a, just like this cornucopia of news on both sides of the awesome, terrible spectrum in the, in the hockey world this week. And I, I'm glad that we could end on a couple of really amazing notes and kind of just leave you with all that. Um, and when I say leave you with all of that, I mean, that's the end of the show. That's uh, all folks. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I, it couldn't be an episode of the handsome hockey podcast without me muttering several lines about how thankful we are <laughs> for our listeners. So I'll just get it out there. We're super thankful for you all. Uh, you know, everybody who listens to us, we are extremely just, kind of shocked and surprised that that people show up at our door and knock on it and then listen to the podcast um because that's how we keep people hostage on our doorsteps <laughs> but it, can, it's been a great ride so far and we're just really grateful that you're sticking around we continually keep you all in our thoughts and our prayers yeah uh you can find us on the internet at handsomehockey.com handsome hockey podcast on instagram at handsome hockey on twitter handsomehockeypod at gmail.com handsome hockey facebook page and i swear to god soon youtube i mean we have a page on youtube it's there yeah i have all the videos loaded up i just i need to need to finish oh well i mean don't we all soon uh yeah <laughs> all swedish no finish yeah <laughs> that's norwegian-ish damn didn't work <laughs> uh anyways yeah thank you so much everybody uh hopefully uh your team drafted well and hopefully your team's not the chicago hockey team hopefully your team pronounced all its picks correctly and uh as always stay handsome everybody restez beau to le monde